Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling today? We are in 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, another good one. Um, my Bible, uh, the headline is God's Covenant with David. So we're going to be talking about that and 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 God's promise to David and how we see that fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Um, so let's pray and then we're going to get into it. Father, we love you. We just thank you, Father, for your word, Lord. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that we can look at the examples of of people like David, Father, who who served you, Lord, and were faithful to you, and you were faithful to them, Lord. And I pray that we can even look at their mistakes, Father, and the, the, the wrong things that they did, Father, as, as, as how we should and should not live our own lives, Father. Be with us during this time, Father. I pray for every ear that's hearing this message, Lord God. Father, you just be with them, Lord God. Open up their minds, open up their hearts to receive a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. 2 Samuel 7, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Israel from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheephold from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name like the name of the great man who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more. As previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. 
Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this, and yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. If there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our heart, with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a, as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Amen. Amen. All right. So, a whole lot. A whole lot to, uh, to to cover here. Um, it begins and says the Lord has has given him uh, rest over all his enemies all around. This 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 leads us to believe that um, the events here in Second Samuel seven happened after um, what we're going to read about tomorrow in second Samuel eight, right. And there's further, so tomorrow there's going to be further conquests that David had to do. Um, but it says, you know, you know how the Lord had given him rest from his enemies. Um, so the set, the section is placed here before, before the war, the, the, the war accounts, um, to show that, um, it has greater importance than what David was going to accomplish later on. Um, he says, I will dwell in a house of cedar, uh, cedar wood was, in verse two, that's what David's saying. Cedarwood was was especially valued during this time. This meant that David lived in a in a very expensive and a very beautiful home, and and he remembered that the Ark of the Covenant, you know, dwelt in in in, in tents. You know, it, it dwelt in, in the, the tabernacle, and this contrast that David lived in this expensive, beautiful home while the Ark of the Covenant, where the where the presence of God was in some tents. It bothered David, and he was troubled by the thought that he lived in a nicer house than the Ark of the Covenant was in. And without saying specific words, David told Nathan that he wanted to build a temple to replace the tabernacle. Because, you see, you know, we know that when, when Israel was in the wilderness, more, more than 400 years prior to this time, God had commanded Moses to, to build a tent of meeting according to specific uh, specific pattern in Exodus 25. God never asked for a permanent building to replace the tent. But now David wanted to do this for God. The tent of meeting was also known as a tabernacle was perfectly suited to Israel in the wilderness because they were constantly on the move. 
they were moving all for 40 years they were moving around but now that israel was was securely in the land and the ark of the covenant was was in jerusalem david thought it would be better and more appropriate to build a tabern- a temple to replace the tabernacle and so nathan says go do all that's in your heart for the lord is with you Nathan said that this this David because he it seemed like a, a good thing to do. It seemed it seemed reasonable. It made sense to him. What could go wrong, right, with David building a temple? You know, he says, "Do all that is in your heart." Shows that David's heart was filled with the question, "What can I do for God? What more can I do for God? What can I do to serve God? What can I do to please God?" That was David's heart. He was so, so filled with gratitude and and concern for God's glory and God's name being lifted high that he wanted to do something special for God. And But it says in verse 4 that that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And and so so Nathan's response to David was, was kind of presumptuous, right? He answered David according to human judgment, according to, to human reasoning, according to, to, to common sense, right? Quote, common sense. But before, but he, 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 he answered before he had heard the word of the Lord. It's so important, so, so important that we, we, we should always test our desires, even the highest, even the holiest of desires by God's will so important because we can see that something needs to get done and it's an, it's something important to get done right we we can see a need somewhere we can see a, a possibility of a ministry we can see any number of things right and it may even be within god's will but it may not be within god's will right now and we don't want we don't want to jump the gun we don't want to to do things and do things out of order, okay? Because when we do things out of order, we always mess up because God's timing is perfect. So, so, you know, listen, work in the church for the kingdom of God, no matter how excellent, should never be done without the express command of God. And so God says, would you build a house for me to dwell in? God seemed, you know, you know, honored and, and almost surprised that David offered to build him a house. It's, it's as, as if God was saying to David, "You want to build me a house?" You know, like no, no one's ever offered to, to to do that before. But David wanted to do more than God commanded, and this is a wonderful um, place to be in in a relationship with God. Where you know, see, see, most of us are so stuck with thinking, you know, how little can I do? And still please God. That we never really want to do more than good commands. And that's that's for so many of us within the church. What's the bare minimum I can do? And I still get the blessing of God. That's a horrible attitude. You know, horrible attitude. That's like me saying to, 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 to Sandra, my wife, what's the bare minimum I can do? Just so that you don't get on my case about something. You know what I'm saying? And trust me, she gets on my case about a lot of things. I I, I mess up all the time. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, what is the bare minimum? Guys, okay, don't put your hands up, guys. But I'm talking to the guys, right? He's like, what can I do to get this woman off my back? 
you know? That's the attitude we often have with God. What's the bare minimum I can do so that God will still bless me? That's a horrible attitude. Charles Spurgeon writes, um, Charles Spurgeon was a great theologian. Um, uh, and uh, he says, though the Lord refused to David the, re the realization of his wish, he did it in a most gracious manner. He did not put the idea away from him in anger or disdain as though David had cherished an unworthy, de unworthy desire, but he honored, honored his servant even in the non-acceptance of his offer. He said, would you build me a house? David had learned that God didn't want him to build a temple. But David didn't respond by doing nothing. Because David could have taken that as rejection. Right? Like, well, I was going to do something for you. I can't even do that right. So, you know, I, I'm not doing nothing. He could have had that attitude. Right? But according to 1 Chronicles 29, it says that David gathered all the materials for building of the temple. He prepared for the building of the temple so that later on, his son Solomon could build a glorious house for God. All right. Just because God tells you no doesn't mean we don't do nothing. Doesn't mean that we just stop. You know, sometimes we need we, we need to still prepare for the future blessing. We need to prepare for what God is still doing. Okay. God may have told you no to this. But it doesn't mean you're not still going to support that, if that makes sense. So now, beginning with verse 8, God's going to begin to tell David, you know, about how he's going to bless David and bless his house. He says in verse 8, I took you from the sheepfold, sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people. God took David from the pasture to the throne. It took some time getting there. But from the pasture to the throne, he says, I have been with you wherever you have gone in verse nine. God protected David from all of his enemies. He says, I have made your your uh, made you a great name. He made David's name great on all the earth. Everyone knew who David was. All the other nations around them knew who David was. He says in verse 10, I will point a place for my people, Israel. God promised David that, that under his reign, he would establish a permanent and a secure Israel. He promised this first because he knew that David, David being a godly shepherd by nature, was first concerned with the welfare of his people. And then in verse 11, he says that he will make you a house. God promised David that he, that he would build him a house in the sense of establishing a dynasty for the house of David. And this was, this was a, an enduring legacy for David long after his death, that his family, his sons would remain on the throne of Israel. God, David wanted to build God a temple, but God said, thanks. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. But let me build you a house instead. You want to do for me? And I love you for that. But let me do you one greater. This was a greater promise than David's offer to God because David's house, David's dynasty, would last longer and be more glorious than the, temp than the temple that David wanted to build God. God's promise was so much greater 
than the than the, the the desires that David had for God. God honored what what David gave him, even though he only gave it to God in a in, with, with in his sincere intention. There are some things that we want to give God, but are prevented from giving. In these case, God. Listen, in these case, cases, God receives the intention as a gift. God knows our heart. And just because you want to do something for God and he tells you no, doesn't mean he still doesn't receive the intention of your heart. He sees the desire that you have. God wanted a man um, of peace to build his temple. But David was a man of war. In First Chronicles 22, beginning with verse 8, it says, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give you give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. This this explanation to David in 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 uh, First Chronicles twenty two came years after this, right? So we can surmise that that for many years David did not know the exact reason why God didn't want him to build him a temple. We can so 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 imagine that God says no, but gives you no reason. What do you do? God, I want to do this. I want to do that. God says no, and you have no explanation for years. That's tough. That's tough. That's hard. But David still moved. David didn't stay stagnant. He says in verse 12, I will set up your seed after you. And this, God specifically promised a hereditary monarchy for the house of David. And this is important for God to repeat the promise because there had never been a king succeeded by his own son in Israel before. So this great promise that God made to David had only a future fulfillment. David wasn't going to see his throne established forever. He had the trust that God was going to fulfill his promise. David will only benefit um, in his day from the promise through faith. But if David had a had a uh, um, like a, a "what's in it for me" type attitude, the promise would have meant nothing to him. Verse thirteen: He shall build a house for my, my name. Though, though David would not build the temple for God, his descendant would. The family of David did rule over Israel for more than four centuries. It says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So for more than four centuries after this, the sons of David, his descendants still ruled over Israel. But again, but they were eventually removed because, you know, later on evil that was done. Isaiah 11 verse one says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of bondage and of the fear of the Lord. Out of the, out of the family of Jesse, David's father, God raised up a new branch that will reign forever and ever. And that branch 
we know is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is a descendant of David for when he for when he came to earth. Verse 16 says, Your throne shall be established forever. God promised that the reign of his dynasty would last forever. Each of these great, great promises were, were partially fulfilled in Solomon, David's son, and David's his the, the, the successor to his throne, because Solomon ruled on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Solomon, though he sinned a lot. His mercies never departed from him. And Solomon did build a magnificent um, house for God. But the prophets foretold of a, of a greater fulfillment of these prophet of, of, of these, these promises. I got a, a whole bunch of verses. So if you want to jot them down, go ahead. Uh, Jeremiah 23. Verses five and six, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. King shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by what he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Isaiah 9, beginning with verse 6 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice for, for that time forward, even forever. Luke 1, the beginning of verse 31 says, uh, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. God's promise of a house for David is completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Completely fulfilled. Jesus does reign and will reign on David's throne forever. The Father's mercies never departed from Jesus. Even when he was made sin for us, the Father's mercies never left him. And Jesus is building the Father a magnificent home, according to Hebrews 3, in the sense that we are God's temple, according to 1 Peter 2.5. We are God's temple. The church is God's new house. We are the church, brothers and sisters. Come on. We are the fulfillment of the promise that God made to David. And so David says, who am I? Who am I, O oh Lord? When David received this gift, this promise, he didn't think, think it made him greater. In David's eyes, it only made God greater. David's attitude wasn't, I'm so great that even God gives me gifts. That wasn't his attitude. His attitude was, God is so great. God is so great that, that, he, that he's deciding to bless me. We should receive salvation and every blessing with the same attitude. Because we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to be saved. But God has chosen to save us. He chose to give to, to, to give us the gift of salvation. God's giving reflects the given the greatness of the giver, not the receiver. We're not great. 
God is great. And David's, hum David's humble reception of this gift is shown by the repetition of the phrase, your servant. Ten times during this passage, he says it in his prayer, your servant. It shows that David humbly accept, accepts God's, get, uh, God's, God's uh, no to him. He accepts God's no when he wanted to build God, uh, build God a temple. And he says in verse 25, establish it forever and do as you have said. David's prayer boldly asked God to do what he promised. This wasn't a, a passive prayer that said, well, God, do whatever you want. I don't really care. One way or another, do what you're going to do. It wasn't a passive prayer. And this wasn't an arrogant prayer that said, God, let me tell you what you're going to do. Right? That's a very, very arrogant prayer. Now, this was a bold prayer, much different, that said, God, here's your promise. Now, I trust you to fulfill it and be faithful to your word. The phrase, therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray. This prayer to you emphasizes this. David was saying, I'm praying this prayer because you promised. You told me that this is what you want to do. Sometimes we need to remind God. Not in the sense that he needs reminding, but we got to remind her, remind ourselves because God's promises are yes and amen, right? We sing the song, all your promises are yes and amen, right? But what's that mean? What's that mean? It means that God has made promises in our lives. And sometimes we have to remind God, not that he needs reminding, but we got to remind ourselves. Sometimes you got to say, God, you said this was going to happen, so I have faith. I am believing in you that this is going to happen. Lord, you promised me restoration in my marriage, so I'm believing in that promise. Lord, you promised that my kid was going to stop acting outside their mind, and they were going to and they were going to get right. So I'm believing that this is going to happen. Lord, you 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 told me you put the you put the vision of a business in in my heart. You put the vision of a, a ministry in my heart, and it's not coming to pass. But you told me it was going to happen, so I'm believing it's going to happen. Right, showing your faithfulness to God. Charles Spurgeon writes, "God sent the promise on purpose to be used. If I see a dollar bill." It is a promise for a certain amount of money, and I take it and use it, but do try to use God's promises. Nothing pleases God better than to see his promises put in circulation. He loves to see his children bring them up to him and say, Lord, do what you said, and let me tell you that it glorifies God to use his promises. God will fulfill his promises, and it is rarely ever going to be on our timetable, but he will fulfill his promises. This kind of prayer seizes God's promises. It takes hold of God, God's promises, right? Just because God promises doesn't mean that we possess it automatically. But through believing prayer like this, God's promises, and we seize it. And if we don't seize it in faith, God's promises are left unclaimed. We can seize his promises for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, we can seize his promise for peace. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, John 14, 27. 
We may seize his promise for guidance. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. We can seize his promise for growth. Philippians 1, 6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we can seize his promise for help. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, this is why it's so important that you're in your word daily. Daily. And not just on 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. But after we log off every morning, you still spend time in the word. You still spend time with the Lord praying, right? So that all the promises that are written in this book, you can say, God, your word says this. Your word says this. Your word says, I will give you peace. Lord, I'm going through such a horrible time. My mind will not rest. I feel like, I feel like. Nonsense is coming at me from all directions. You promised peace. Lord, give me your peace. You promised it. But if we don't know the word, what are we praying? What are we asking for? If we do not know the word of God, all of our prayers become selfish prayers. All of our prayers become me, 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 give, 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 I, I, I. But when we know the word of God, when we study the word of God, when we know what the Lord says, then our prayers become, Lord, you said this. Lord, you said that, that your peace you will give to me. Father, I need your peace. Please give me your peace. It's so, it's so different. Such a different way of looking at things. We need to, the Bible needs to be our gauge for how we pray. Verse 27 says, therefore, your servant has formed it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Notice that, that David prayed from the heart. He has found it in his heart to pray to you. Some people pray uh, from their head. They just they just say a prayer that's in their head, you know, you know, God is great, God is good, <laughs> you know. Some people pray from a book, and you can find you can find all kinds of books with prayers in it, and that's all they do. They just read from a book. But the right place to pray from is from your heart. That is the place we need to be praying from. He says in verse 28, and we're going to close here, you are God and your words are true. This was David's foundation of faith. He knew that God was God and that every word of his was true. And he knew that God could be trusted because God had been faithful all throughout David's life. There have been promises on your life. And I guarantee you, God has already fulfilled some of those promises, but we tend to forget. We tend to forget when God has come through for us. So if you find yourself in a place in your life where God seems silent, you're praying and God, God uh, you know, doesn't seem to be talking to you, open up the book, open up the Bible, and he will speak to you from his word, and you will know his promises. And so then we can always look back on what God has done in the past. Lord, you brought me through this situation, so I know you're going to bring me through this situation. Lord, you did this in my life, so I know this is going to be easy for you. So, Father, I'm trusting you. 
Because when we try to, when, when we question God too much, we're putting faith in ourselves. You know, obviously, God, you're not going to do this. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this. David could have had the attitude, nah, God, listen. I'm in a position to do this. I'm in a position to build a temple. So I'm going to build a temple. I know better. Right? David would have been saying, I know better than you, God. And he would have built a temple, right? And it probably would have been a magnificent temple. But would it have continued the way it was supposed to go? Would it have continued? Would David's throne been established forever? Who's to say? But David humbly accepted God's rejection, God telling him no, and in humbly accepting God's word, God blessed him even further. So brothers and sisters, how are you accepting the word of God? Because listen, we don't always like what God has to say. Right? I mean, let's just be real. We don't always, you know, sometimes God gives a word and we like, for real? For real, for real? And we don't have to like it. Right? Come on. We don't have to like God's word. David was probably disappointed for a minute. You know? Because from the time when he was told no to when he was given the explanation, we don't know how much time that was. So I guarantee at some point, David was like, man, like, come on, man. Like, I'm trying to do good, right? You know, maybe maybe that's just me. You know, maybe maybe that's how I'm reading it. But then David, because of his relationship with God, was able to say, but you know what? Not my will, but your will. I will do what you command. Amen. And that's how that's how we need to treat treat God. That's how we need to accept his 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 word. God knows best for us. And when we're obedient and when we're faithful, it always turns out so much greater for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord God. I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters on this call right now, listening to the, the sound of my voice, Lord God, that, that you would just be with them, Father. That you would touch their hearts, Father. I pray the Lord that they would truly have a heart after you. So they could hear your words, Father. They can hear when you're guiding and when you're when you're speaking to them, Lord. And even when if if your word is something that that may uh, uh sadden them or make them upset, Lord God, that they can that the, that the, your Holy Spirit will help them just take a step back to truly listen to you, Lord. So they will be obedient, Father. And just as just as with David, Father, the blessings will be even. 10 times greater than what we could have imagined. So, Father, I pray for these, these people, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, keep them, and guide and pray for everyone that's that's listening on, on this podcast, Father, on the, the YouTube later on, Lord. Just, Father, just reveal those areas of control that we're still holding on to. Reveal those things, Father. And, and Father, give us give us the strength to let go and give to you and be submitted to you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, guys, love y'all. I'll see you again next week. God bless.